plug me into whatever you want, but uh, turn in your Bibles. What got me onto this subject was Luke chapter 2. I was reading through it. Oh, find it here in just un momento. Ran upstairs and got my glasses. And I think it was two or three. And it talks about, oh, I know, it's where the guys in the garden, Simeon and Annas, give praise to Christ. It's Luke chapter 2. It was the second day of this month. And I was reading through Luke chapter 2, looking for a message for God's word. And I got there to Luke chapter 2, and I read how, and then took him up in his arms and blessed God. That was where, and then Annas blessed him. No, it wasn't. It was where John the Baptist was being born. That's where I was last time I read out loud to myself. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, and we'll see where, yeah. Luke chapter 1, verse 34 is where I got to. Shall be seeing how I know not a man? No. It's, it's in here. The birth of John the Baptist. Okay. John the Baptist. You know the story. It's old. But John the Baptist, you know, was fathered in his, by his mother in a late, late time in her life where they had the child and his dad couldn't speak. And you read all about that in that first chapter of Luke. And there's a whole in-depth pedigree, so to speak, lineage of Christ in the first part of that chapter. And Brother uh, Fred, who's not with us today, is in Florida. <laughs> he's in the Florida of the world. Uh, he's in Africa, really. And he's, he talked to us about what I call, text him, and I says, that's the five stones in Christ's lineage. Five stones, in case you're not, if I'm not getting too deep for you, five stones are the five ladies in the book of, in Christ's lineage that were Gentiles or weren't very spiritual, but they're Gentiles. Polluting Christ's bloodline for the world to the self-righteous, to the holier-than-holies, to the same type that tell you the book of Luke isn't even part of God's word. And so, because it's written by a Gentile, but that isn't where it all starts. It starts in the prophetic, where we see it in our Bible, in the New Testament, in God's word, you see Zacharias' prophecy, uh, the, fe- the fe- father of John the Baptist, when he received his mouth and he was able to open it, he wasn't dumb anymore. In verse 67, he comes up with a pro- proclamation of what his son was going to do. His son was going to introduce the highest prophet in the, gr- in the land, verse 76. And in verse 79, he explains what he's going to do. 79 is the verse that struck me. And I says, I got to get back to this business about Gentiles because people don't, especially the Jewish people, don't realize it. But it opens up into even a bigger thing. Maybe we'll get to tonight. But it says, to give light to them. This is what Christ came to do. He's explaining that to give them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And he talks here about the child grew, waxed strong in spirit and wasn't the desert till the day she showed to Israel. And he's talking about John the Baptist there. John the Baptist is going to give light to who? Those that sit in the darkness. You know, if you're not a Jew, and especially in the time that this was written, you were, you were less than a, a human. You know why so many people are prejudiced against the Jewish people 
for reasons they don't know. You talk about stem, stem, stemdemic racism. The Jews, under the impression that they were the only ones good enough to ever get to heaven. God set them aside and gave them the law, and they were the only ones given the law. And we have much to be in debt to the Jewish people for. We wouldn't have our Bible today if it weren't for them preserving it and cherishing it and loving it. But as human as they are, as human as we are, they lifted up the law above the word grace, and they become victims of their own demise. It's a nice way of saying they become victims. They brought on their own damnation. In fact, who was there that really killed Jesus and said his curse be upon us and our children and our children and our heads? Those were Jewish rabbis that said that when Christ was crucified. Part of the plan that was enacted and put into place, and this is just before that plan, uh, and we celebrated on December 25th and in Easter and at Thanksgiving. We should celebrate it every week. We should celebrate it. Our Constitution says we should celebrate it every Five Sundays, we're supposed to have communion. It's all part of observing what God did for us, trying to do something for God that he did for us. And religion, it gets a little carried away with that, and we start to think we gain merit by what we do for God. And in fact, all of us are in darkness. None of us are any better than the other. Every one of us, Get up in the same, you know, I heard this spill since I was a kid. Don't you be afraid of anybody. They all put their pants on the same way you do in the morning. Works pretty good till you meet somebody that doesn't wear pants. But it's, it's true. We're all the same in God's eyes. To argue whether, whether Luke was a Gentile or not is foolish. To talk about faith, point two, what Brother Jay touched on, Point two is faith. You know why Abraham, and this is where we're going, why Abraham was so held up by God? And you read any little Sunday school book or anything that's half right, you say by faith, Abraham stepped out in service to God. God came and told him, and he went and did it. Now, as we've seen in Sunday school class, he's nowhere close to being perfect. But he's admonished by verse upon verse upon verse in the first part of Hebrews. We should read that. I may, if I get off my, get this off my chest because the Lord just put it there. We, uh, he done great and mighty things for God by faith. You know, he was an Egyptian. In reality, his tribe can be traced back to the Egyptians. His mom and dad got up every morning and worshiped the sun. And by faith, he stepped away from all that in peace, not in rebellion. And he stepped away from that and served a God that said, I'm going to make you great and wonderful. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. Back to that Jewish thing again. This isn't anti-Semitic. The Jewish people are precious by God but they're no different than us in God's eyes. Because you see here when John the Baptist hit the ground, he was already looking to get the light to the Gentiles, to those that were in darkness. And every one of us have just as much claim to that field as them. In fact, we have more claim now that he endowed us with Romans chapter 12 and 11 where it talks all about Gentiles. 
and us getting grafted into that tree of fruit. And we measure ourselves, and this is why it's so hard on my mind, we measure ourselves every day by where we're at in relationship to Revelations. And we should. But you know, if I'm reading Revelations right, we're about done. We got to start looking at where the Jewish people are in relationship to Revelations because now he's catching them back up. He bestowed grace on us. He's bestowed grace on them, and he's going to let the whole thing wind up. And we should be more concerned today, not whether we're selling or pumping oil. We should be more concerned, which is a normal, natural concern, yes. But we should be more spiritually concerned about where Israel is in preparation for God's coming because that's going to usher in the end times more than us up and falling and dying or the whole nation. America, I asked my dad once, I says, two years before he died. He was a born-again Christian, finally. He'd been around the world. I says, where are we in relationship to Revelations? I was teaching a class on it. And he says, son, I says, where are we? Are we the eagle that flies? Are we chasing the bear around? Are we one of the leopard spots? Or what are we in, in Revelation? He says, what makes you think we're there? This nation was only about 200 years old then. We could come and go. What I'm saying is it doesn't matter. He says, you know, right now whether you're Jew or Gentile, we're in the, and I will agree with the dispensationalist, that's total dispensationalist, we're in the age of grace. There's no arguing about that. The grace is going to us and the Jew. I think he's all, I think he's fulfilled his day of grace with us. We're getting so ignorant, we have to go and get a coloring book to find out what Jesus has to do with the holiday. They don't even want to use Christ's name and the word Christmas anymore. We just kind of trot along with it. Abraham lived in the same day in his time. And he stepped out in a way. And he went and became obedient to God's word. We'll see that tonight when I pick up the rest of this. But he was obedient to God and acted upon God's word to the best of his ability, which he failed at miserably a few times with the instance you brought up. But he was perfect in God's eyes because he was trying 110%. Where are you this month? What percent are you on? We talked percentage, 75. I have confidence, and I love this about Luke. It says in uh, Scripture, which I probably won't get to, uh, it says he was a beloved physician. You know, you couldn't be a physician and a devout Jew at the same time. For one thing, you had to touch contaminated bodies. You had to touch dead bodies if you wanted to learn anything about them. He's called the beloved physician, and I'll, I'll show you why I'm kind of hung up on that. I'm hung up on disqualifiers for you to be loved by God. That's what it amounts to today. There is no disqualifier for you to be loved by God. As sure as I'm standing here and I've had hundreds of people standing in front of me telling me they weren't worth the kingdom of God, you are worth the kingdom of God. And God loves you for that. He wants you to be redeemed. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to step forward. He wants you to accomplish what you can for him. You might not be an Abraham where you can get the whole world wrapped up and do great things for him. You might be the handmaid. You might be the little girl that the military consulted and said, Who's that? And she says, he's a prophet, he's a prophet. 
Read your Bible, you'll know who I'm talking about. But God wants you to be part of his family. Uh, the, the scripture I want to I bring to your attention that really just kind of sunk me too, this, this portion here, he will give light to them that sit in darkness. Oh, that's got to be some pretty rough people. You know, we're talking that, that was a priest. He was, they used to rotate who would go into the temple and have the honor of burning the incense at the temple. You had to fast for days before you had that job. You had to be voted by your peers to be good enough to do that job. And it's one of them jobs where you hear rumors about, although I haven't seen it quite documented to where I'm satisfied with it, where they'd tie a little rope on the end of your feet, and when you walked in there, they had bells certainly around your phylactery, whatever that big word is, it's around the end of your garments, little bells that would ring. And if those bells went silent while you were in there doing the incense in the holiest of holies, they'd yank on that rope and pull you out of there. Twice in Scripture, the guys died because they weren't holy enough. So, you, you're there. You're there. And he went in there representing God and the whole world. And he come out there telling God is for the whole world. His son was going to proclaim it, John the Baptist. And that's what John the Baptist said. Now, one of the things John the Baptist pipes up a lot about is that word repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent means to change your mind. Change your mind about what? He's talking basically to Jews, because the Bible also says the Jew first, then the Gentile. It will be in Romans chapter 1, and we'll get that worked out tonight. But he's talking to Jews, and he's saying, change your mind about sin. Sin will contaminate you, but it's going to harm you more for what happens in this world than the next. Because if you get right with God, what happens in the next world is all up to him, not you. So what you do in this world today is, is you better change your mind. You don't need to run out and get some goats killed. And that's what they were making, a market of it. Don't you see how that all fits in? That's why the first in the kingdom of heaven will be the last. We're talking about the Jew first. We'll touch on that tonight. But I hope, <laughs> if I live that long, uh, what I'm saying is, you come to God, it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter how qualified you are. You have to accept Jesus Christ and what his gift is for you. Part of accepting that gift comes up December 25th. What do you do in preparation for that? If all you do is read one verse out of Luke every day, you'll be doing more than you did last year, I bet, for Jesus. And I started, and that's what it gave me. It gave me this whole vision about where we're at as Gentiles and how what's going on in the world today has little value to God. He's given us our chance as Gentiles. We have an opportunity. You, you talk about faith. We have to exercise faith now. Our, our country's just where Egypt was. And the little kid that gets up today and says, man, you know, my science teacher said, and my science teacher said, and didn't I hear something on the news about abortion? Didn't I hear something about, uh, you know, uh, you're not even alive till you're born. In. And then if you're born and they don't want you in Canada, they can put you under. You can request a doctor's death. 11,000 people did last year. Well, so far this year. We're getting towards the end of the year in Canada. And they had assisted suicide in Canada. 
So stepping out in faith doesn't make you perfect. Abraham was not perfect. He was fallible, as proved by what we covered in Sunday school class. But he was perfect in God's eyes because he was taking steps in the right direction. Nobody's perfect. He knows that. There's none righteous, no, not one. You'll hear that till the cows come home from the cows coming home. <laughs> but each one of us are responsible to God, and it's a personal relationship, not a national relationship, not even a dom- denominational relationship. It is a personal relationship. And when you read God's word, it's personal between you and him, what he tells you. I don't have anything to do with it, really. I can help you interpret it. I can give you guidance. I can give you enlightenment. That's what I'm trying to do this morning. Read the book of Luke and let him talk to you this year. And let him tell you where you need to be and what you need to do. Because I can only implore you so much and demand so much and integrate you or intimidate you so much, whatever you want to say. My job is to comfort the afflicted, and to afflict the comforted. And too many of us nowadays are very, very, very comforted. And back to this national thing, as a nation, we become very, very comforted. My son comes up and tells me, people that aren't even citizens of the United States get cell phones and uh, cards to get uh, health cards and all this kind of stuff. You don't even have to work here experience blessings and comfort. Not to say some may be deserving of it. But where are we at as a nation? Each day we're stepping further away because of the glitter, the bulbs, the lights, the, what do they call it, garland, all that neat stuff. It's taken us from God's real meaning of Christmas. I'll I'll challenge you today, December 24th, read Luke chapter 1 or 2 to your children or to yourself or to your spouse. Read it and ask God. Give that to God and see what he gives you back. Let's all stand.